Hey, y'all. My name is Nicole Rowan, and this is my podcast, a space to encourage you, share biblical truths, get all of these thoughts in my head out, and introduce you to some amazing people along the way. For more info, you can go to NicoleRowan.com. Well, this has been an interesting season that myself and my family have been walking through, and um, in the past six to eight months, the Lord has really brought around us people that have been in ministry, have been lead pastors, associate pastors, kids pastors, youth pastors, um, raising support, you know, missionaries. Um, he's brought us these people that have been either excommunicated from the church, really hurt by the church, um, and for what I think are valid reasons, um, and not that they've been hurt by the church and that's the valid reason, but that their hurt is valid. Let me just make sure I clarify that. Um, and he's brought these people around us in this interesting season that we're in, um, where we have really just been ministering to ministers and really just been um, able to encourage and guide and lift up the heavy hearts of these people. And um, the more and more I've been thinking about it the past couple of months, um, the more I've realized that the church does not know how to handle conflict. The church doesn't know how to handle betrayal. The church doesn't know how to handle manipulation at times. Church doesn't even know how to be the church um, when things happen that there are no answers around. And I find this intriguing because you know, as long as someone's showing up to our service or serving us or working in our church, then, you know, they are our pastor, they are our friend, that's our community, you know, that's our preacher, that's our pastor, whatever. Um, but then the church is is lacking knowing what to do when they're no longer there. Um, unfortunately, my husband and I have experienced this more times than than once, and um, it's super. It, it's just really sad to see, um, both personally and from afar, watching other people's journeys, to see this happen. To see the body of Christ go silent. To see the the community that you know we're all in and we're family and we're raising our kids together and we're doing this and we're doing that. Um, and baptisms and birthdays and baby showers, and to see the church go silent when something goes sideways. And I don't want to get into our story too much, but I will say um, that it it is time that we start to call out the church for these types of things that are happening inside and outside of the church. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're a minister, if you, um, if you proclaim to know Jesus and you proclaim to want to disciple people, want to, um, help people come to know the Father. And yet when something happens and you don't reach out, you don't follow up, you don't, ask why, um, unfortunately, you're actually not living out what you're preaching. You're not living out um, the gospel. And, you know, you're not sitting with people in their pain and their questions and their whatever. Um, I've witnessed, you know, people not know how to communicate, not know how to ask questions, not know how to go down that road because 
well, it's uncomfortable and it often requires, you know, to ask some really difficult questions of what happened and why did this happen? And, um, I just felt like I wanted to jump on and I wanted to share just a few things um, that if you are in a church body and there is something that happens within your church, whether it's a member, whether it's a staff person, um, I highly, highly encourage you, regardless of your position in the church, attendee, member, on staff, whatnot, when someone leaves your church when someone is <laughs> has been present and then is no longer there, I would encourage you to ask why. I would encourage you to reach out to those people. Um, more often than not, there is a situation that has happened. And when you choose not to reach out, when you choose to sit back, when you choose to not ask questions, when you choose to not love them in that way, then what you're saying is, I only loved you or cared about you when you could give me something, when you could either make my services bigger, attend and meet with me on Sundays, or pastor me, or disciple me. That's when I loved you. That's when I respected you. But now that you're not here, you can't give me anything. So I'm just going to not communicate with you. And it's a dangerous road to go down because we literally live out like our actions will always follow up with what we say. So we can say one thing all day long. We can say, you know, you're my friend, or we can say, um, you're my, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and then when they're no longer able to give us to meet our needs, to meet your needs, then um, your actions will show that they actually weren't ever a friend or weren't ever your pastor or you didn't value the things that they laid their life down for. And I'm thinking of even a a gal right now who uh, was excommunicated from a church because of a messy relationship. And um, she was married to one of the pastors and there was just um, a, a really unfortunate circumstance that happened. And she was on staff with, you know, four other wives, pastor's wives. And not one of those wives reached out to her when she left the church. Not one. Now, tell me, like, what is that about? Why is the church so afraid to to run after the one? We sing it in our worship songs. We we preach about it on Sundays that that the father ran after the the one, you know, the prodigal son. And then we don't do it when people that are closest to us leave or are excommunicated or asked to leave or pushed out. I'm thinking of another guy who um, he was on on staff at a very, very large church and was leading hundreds of young kids to, to Christ and, and leading them in a weekly service. And um, there was a, a lot of a firing that happened um, within his church. Again, it was a large church. So, you know, maybe like 10 or 15 people were, were let go and not one person reached out to him. Not one parent of these kids that he'd been leading for years, not one elder, not one person in that community reached out to say, wait, what happened? And to me, that just, that tells me a lot about the leadership of those churches. And it tells me a lot about the people of, in those churches. And 
I don't know why Christians somehow seem a little bit, you know, far when it comes to this. Because if this were to happen in the marketplace, I feel like somebody would reach out and say, hey, why weren't you there on Monday? But when this happens in the church, um, no one says any, anything. And it's the, it's the weirdest thing to me um, because I, I, that's just not my MO. That's just not how we're wired to operate. Anytime anyone has ever left, I've tried my hardest to reach out, whether you know we've been in, in church ministry or just a ministry, an organization. Um, I've tried my hardest to reach out and say, hey, what happened? What can I learn from this situation? Even when they've left my church or left my ministry. And I think about Romans 12, it says, for each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And so what happens when the church body loses a part you know, of, of, of their members, loses a part of the body. Um, h- how do we reach out to them? How do we um, figure out how to get them back, if you will? And I think about Hebrews 10. It says, let us consider how we can spur one another on in love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. And it, it just it just burdens my heart to know that when things are in front of you, um, when things are easy, it's easier to address those. But but when things are no longer in front of you, when they're no longer showing up to meetings, when they're no longer showing up to Sunday mornings, um, n- you know, I just encourage you not to let that go. Figure out why. Ask questions and love people. And, and if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, and someone leaves your church, you should really ask them why. And it's not because. We need to know, oh no, how, why are they leaving our church? Did we do something wrong? No, you stick to what God's called you to do, but it's good to know why people are not staying around. It might open up revelation for you, might help you understand why people are not, you know, feeling connected or called there or, um, you know, sharing with you. I mean, that's a telltale sign. If they've, they've not left, um, you know, if they've not told you before they've left, then that's a telltale sign uh, for me that there there's a reason why you're too scary to approach. You're unapproachable, um, or they just they don't want you to know the real reason because it's a hard conversation. Um, it's good to know those things, Pastor. It's really, really good. And you don't take it personally and you don't take it on as a fault unless there's areas for you to grow in it, you know, together. But the reality is you know, we are supposed to be devoted um, to one another, that there's not supposed to be any needs amongst us in the big C church, if you will, regardless if something is, someone is in your church or outside of your church or your ministry, the word says that there's not to be any needs amongst us, that, you know, this was the Acts church. And, um, Gosh, just to share like a little bit of my story in the past 12 years of church planting and working with teams, I have yet to see a pastor actually practice what they preach when it comes to conflict. And that is saying a lot. I've actually yet yet to see what that looks like for um, someone to actually get on you know the pulpit and, and talk about community or talk about what it looks like to 
um, be the hands and feet to one another and then actually play that out when something doesn't go the way that they thought it was going to go. And it's unfortunate, but it has been our experience. And it's very difficult to hear people, you know, preach about community and preach about intimacy with God and preach about hearing from the Lord. And then you know what's going on behind the scenes. You know what's happening on Monday morning after they've preached that on Sunday, or you know what happened on Friday. It's a really difficult thing to walk through um, as a believer, as a co-laborer in in the ministry. And I just... I just want to put a word out there that if you've ever experienced pain, if you've ever felt hurt by the church, if you've ever felt um, disregarded, if you've ever felt used, I remember this one time, I'll just get real vulnerable with y'all. This one time I was in the shower and I was crying and I was like, Lord, why is this why is this happening? Why do I feel this way? You're my king. They're not like you're my provider. They're not like what what is going on? And I, I remember he said something to me. It was it was fascinating. He said, The reason you feel the way you do is because you feel prostituted by the church. And I was like, Whoa, you're right, God. I feel prostituted by I feel used, abused, and then disregarded by the church, by the very call of my life, by the very people that I was in covenant with. I feel prostituted. And I know that there has been, um, there's hundreds of thousands of people out there that might feel the same way. And gosh, just in the past eight months, you know, my husband and I have sat down with so many people who were in ministry or, you know, are still doing ministry, but have left situations. And there's just really painful um, things that have happened. And I just wonder if we really understood humility, if we really understood servanthood, if we really knew what it meant to lay down our lives for one another, if there would be less people walking around with pain from the church. And y'all, I've said this before. I love the church. I love the local church. I'm not mad at the church. I think the church should be the most influential, most amazing place in in all of our regions that that we live in. But the reality is like, we really need to step up and we really need to practice what we preach. And we really need to reach out to the one, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's painful, even when we don't understand, even when you've not been involved. Uh, we ha- we have had so many people say that they you know want to do life with us that that were around for births and baby showers and things or that we were and then something you know went sideways that didn't even involve them and they just cut off communication. It's been so interesting to see are people really who they say they are? Are people actually walking out and living the gospel in such a way that that they actually look foolish because they're running after connection and love and humility and forgiveness and reconciliation? What does that look like in the life of a believer? And man, I think about, you know, it's a hard concept to actually swallow, but but Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him all along. Y'all ever thought about that? Like, Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, and yet, I don't understand it. I'll be, I'll be real frank. I don't understand it. He kept him around. And even when, you know, they're at the dinner table, and, and Jesus says, 
you know, the person that I hand this cup to <laughs> is going to be the one that betrays me. And I, you know, and you got to imagine like you're sitting at dinner, you're like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of crazy. Um, I don't know why Jesus kept them around to be super, to be super honest. And at the last supper, when he's like, one of you are going to betray me, you know, Judas, he leaves that supper and he goes right to the Roman authorities who are looking to arrest Jesus. And he accepts a bribe of 30 silver, you know, 30 pieces of silver. And, um, and he agrees to take them to, to, to Jesus. And Judas knew that Jesus, Jesus and the disciples would go to a garden near Jerusalem. And, you know, it's just, it's so interesting to me that Jesus kept him around. I don't understand that. I do not have an understanding for why, um, for why Jesus did that. But what I do know is there are going to be people in our lives that are going to betray us. There's going to be people in our lives that, um, whether we see it coming or not, they're going to, you know, sell us out for 30 pieces of silver for something that does not make, um, any sense. But the reality is, you know, they are still people um, that are children of God. They're still people that um, that are still, a, you know, a son or a daughter of Christ Jesus. And um, yeah, I just, it's been so heavy on my heart to talk about what the church can do. So, you know, if you're leading a Bible study, if, if you're part of an organization, I mean, honestly, this this is inside the church world and outside. You're in a company, you're part of a, a, a job force, and someone doesn't show up on Monday, reach out, ask why. But more so for the believer, man, when somebody leaves your church, you should for real reach out. <laughs> like, it should be a go-to, like immediately after you find out or you haven't seen them or, you know, whatever has happened, you should reach out because you don't know what they're walking through. You don't know what they're going through. And um, it, it's it's a painful process to, um, to not have that community and for those people to walk through those things. There, there's another story. There's a um, a very large megachurch pastor in Orange County who, you know, I know way too many intimate details about some of uh, of his staff and some things that happened on his staff. And, um, you know, I, I saw an ad come through about how to forgive people and handle conflict, and he was preaching on it. And the church was, you know, promoting this on social media. And yet I knew that there were four people who um, were cut out of of this man's staff and that, you know, not for any, um, you know, bad reasons, if you will, but, you know, they were, they're no longer talked to. The staff was told not to speak to them. Um, and it's like, gosh, what are we, like, what are we saying when we do that? What are we portraying when we do that? It's not right. It's not godly. It's not the gospel and sure in the heck not Christianity. And so, um, yeah, that, that was really all I wanted to, to share about just a quick snippet on, you know, if you're in a church and something like that happens, or if you've left a church or been asked to leave a church or whatnot, and you're walking through that season, man, I, I am so sorry. And I see you and I know that feeling. I know that pain. I know that, you know, tummy, 
that just like deep tummy pain. And um, I, I just say, find some people that aren't connected to that and, and, and get get in community with them. And if you're in ministry, here's what I tell everyone in ministry. And I, someone actually told me this um, a while ago, and it was something my husband and I kind of walked through trying to understand, like, can you be best friends with the people on your, on your team? Um, and, and what I would say is, I think that you can, but I think that you need people outside of your community, outside of your ministry, outside of the people that you're serving alongside of or that you're pastoring, that you can just be friends with, that you're not leading, that's not leading you, that you're just literally having game nights and dinners and hangouts and play dates and you know basketball tournaments and girls nights, like whatever it is that you're having this other kind of community relationship that is healthy and whole, that is a neutral ground for you because those are the people that are going to be around when something goes away or something you know goes sideways. Those are going to be the people that are going to come alongside of you and be there for you um, when the church has failed to do that. And so that would be my one of my biggest suggestions for anybody in ministry or looking to go into ministry. It's almost like you have these different circles of friendships. Um, yeah, we all want to say we're going to get a commune and be in covenant and love one another and hang out and be the Acts Church. And, you know, everyone on staff is your best friends and our kids are going to grow up together and they're going to marry each other and it's going to be amazing. But the reality is, like, in 12 years of ministry, I've not seen that happen. Um, I've actually seen the opposite happen. I've seen people talk about it, but not actually, you know, walk through it, not actually um, be serious about it. So, you find those people outside of your ministry um, circles that you um, that you can just be in community with. So, anyways, that is just my very quick snippet bit about community and what it looks like to um, yeah to actually be um, who the gospel has asked us to be to actually love one another. Um, and if you are walking through any kind of pain or anything like that, um, I would love to, um, yeah, to hear, to hear from you. Feel, feel free to email me. You can email me, um, all my infos at the bottom of the podcast. You can reach out to me on social media. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to connect with me on any of the social media platforms, you can find me at Nicole Lynn Rowan.